Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. I want to share with you something that's been on my heart for a little while. Um, I, I was at a conference recently. It was just a church leadership conference. And, um, you know, as I was listening to it, just I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I just felt like I need to do a better job at this. And so I just thought I'm going to take this Sunday to, to do that. Here's what really was, was pushed, pushed upon my heart is we have a mission here at our church. If you don't know what our church is all about, um, I think that that robot 411 girl spells it out most most videos where she says our mission is connecting people to Christ. How many of you have ever heard that before? The, the robot girl spelled it out for you. So um, that's it. So if you ever wonder, now, now in growth track, we do a really good job of kind of defining that and, and, and unpacking that a little bit more. We talk about our values and, and, and how we want that put on full display. But our mission is very, very clear and very, very simple. We exist for one purpose alone, and that is to help you connect to Jesus. And we know that that looks different for everybody because some of you come in here and you grew up in church your whole life and you've heard a lot of sermons or done small groups before and been discipled or whatever that looks like. And so for you connecting to Jesus is different than maybe a person who says, man, I haven't been to church and we have a couple that's in growth track right now. And her story is so amazing. It's literally like, you know, I don't know how old she is, but she's, she's older than I am. And she's like, Todd, I've never been to church before. And she just started coming like a few weeks ago. She said, I've never, not, not once as a little girl ever have I been to church. And I was just drawn to church. And her story is so amazing. And so her journeying and connecting with Jesus looks different than, than the first person's connecting with Jesus. And we recognize that. And so our hope is just to help you take one more step in the direction of Jesus and get to know him a little bit better. And that's it. That's our hope and goal for everybody. But what I realized, and this is what I think the Holy Spirit put on my heart at this conference is, is that while our mission as a church is very, very clear, and while that mission is very, very focused here, we don't get outside of that a lot. We don't do a lot of odd things that would take you away from that mission. What I, what I became aware of is this, is that although organizationally or church-wide that's our mission, I think I've done a bad job of explaining to you or encouraging you or showing you or teaching you that that's not just a corporate mission. That actually is meant to be a personal mission. And so today, let's talk about this idea real quick here. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Luke. We're going to go to Luke chapter 5 real quick. And I want to tell you the story of when Jesus calls in his very first disciples. Because when he calls in his very first disciples, he has this unique encounter with them where he sets the tone that to me is different than what I would do. And thank God I'm not Jesus, right? Because I would have messed this thing up. But Jesus is so smart and so brilliant. And what he does is different than what I would do. And he just does something that confounded me. And so Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bible, let's read the story together. The Bible says that one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So he's out there, Rabbi Jesus, teaching the masses. People would be drawn to the local rabbi to hear him teach the Bible and to teach the ways of God. And they all gather around. And Jesus would do these interesting things. He would gather such big crowds that back then they didn't have microphone systems. And so he would literally get out onto the lake. Because how many know when you're on the lake and you start talking, the, 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 the sound waves travel over the water and you can hear it so much further and so much clearer. And so he would do this on the mountains and over water. And so... Look at this. He says, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
And when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out into deep water. Like, let's, let's go out a little bit further. And let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So you imagine like, and fishermen by nature, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. But you guys are really grumpy when you don't catch fish. You guys are. I love you, but you're, you're grumpy because that's your life and the fact that you went all night. And now, now think about this. This, this, this isn't like the normal fisherman who does it normally for leisure. This is their livelihood, right? Like this is like bringing home the bacon, like got to bring home a paycheck, got to eat tonight. And they caught nothing after fishing all night long. And then Rabbi Jesus, you know, he's maybe he's got the yarmulke or the curly things. And he jumps into the boat, starts telling fishermen, and now they're dirty they are smelly. You ever, you ever think about men? I don't think they had a degree for men back then. They didn't have Old Spice. They didn't have these things. My wife, just last night, I was outside all day long. And she woo. And you know, so, so imagine these fishermen done work all night long. There's no Old Spice. And like these guys are tired. Like literally worked all night. Guys, you ever done the all-nighter? Ladies, you ever done the all-nighter? The baby kept you up all night? Are you kind the next day? No, and then Rabbi Jesus jumps in your boat. So, Master, we worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you're a rabbi, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the boat so full that they began to sink. So, I need you to get this picture smelly, angry, frustrated fishermen ready to go home. Because you know how it is when you're trying to like hit the door at 5 p.m. and then all of a sudden your boss is like, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? Like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I'm leaving. And Rabbi Jesus grabs him like, hey guys, I know you're cleaning your nets. Let's throw them back in. I know you've worked all night and haven't caught anything. And then all of a sudden, like so many fish are coming in that the nets are breaking. This ridiculous experience happens so much so that they got to start calling in all their fishing buddies to come help them out. And so then Simon Peter, when he sees this, he realizes like, oh, he has like this miracle moment. He falls down at Jesus's knees and says, go away from me, Lord. Which is weird because they're out in the middle of a boat. Where's Jesus going to go? Leave me, Lord. I am not worthy. Like, dude, I'm on a boat. I can't. I guess he could walk on water. But I mean, you know, most people, we we ain't got nowhere to go. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that that they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, now if you don't know, Simon is eventually has a name change. And this is Peter, like the apostle Peter, Peter that denies Jesus, Peter that writes his own book of the Bible, you know, all that. that that's Simon Peter. And Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Like, like this is the opening of Jesus' ministry. He starts gathering 12 disciples and he has like, he has this idea. I won't go to the religious school to get really, really religiously trained, seminary trained, Bible trained people. I'm going to go get fishermen and they're going to be my boys. They're going to be the ones that carry this thing further past my death and resurrection. They're going to be the ones that keep this thing going. So if, you, if you've read the different versions of the Bible, the way that Mark tells the story is this, is that Jesus says, Follow me and I will make you, what? Fishers of men. Everybody say that with me. Everybody say fishers of men. And so Jesus calls these very first disciples. Now, now this is my take. 
these men probably needed a lot of help. You know what I mean? These men probably, like when my wife met me at the age of, of, of 20 and we got married just a short time later, I would have been a project, right? I would have been like, she looked at me, my mother-in-law's here, she knew it too. She knew it too. She looked at my wife and was like, are you sure? A lot of people said that to my wife. We're like, you really? Because they all knew. This is not a refined specimen. This is not the refined specimen you see before you today. This is, this is some raw... Can you imagine? All of a sudden, I'm going to win the world. I'm going to build a brand new religious system, and we're going to change the world. We're going to overtake the Roman Empire, and I'm going to do it with this stinky fisherman named Simon. This is raw. And if anything needed to happen to these guys, how many know they needed to get cleaned up? They needed to take a bath. They needed to get some Old Spice. They needed to clean up their language. Have you ever heard fishermen speak? So they, they needed to like, you need to go to training. You need to get to Bible school. You need to, you, you're going to have to like polish this bad boy over to get these guys refined so they can take over the world. And so when Jesus says, follow me because I want to make you something, I would assume we're going to make you holy. We're going to make you spiritual. We're going to make you um, nicer. We're going to make you smell better. We're going to make you kinder. We're going to make you all these things because that's what they would have clearly needed to do, right? And Jesus doesn't say any of those things. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you more disciplined. Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. To which that made sense to them in the sense that I fished my whole life. You're just saying, I don't catch fish anymore. I'm actually going to live a whole life catching people. Which was basically Jesus' way and his analogy of saying, you're going to spend your whole life trying to help other people connect to our Heavenly Father. And that will be the mission of your entire life. Life and that I was. That's why I want you to see. As a church, that's our mission. That as a church, it's helping other people connect to Jesus. But when Jesus looked at these people, he said very, very clearly, like this is not just a big corporate mission. He hadn't even introduced the idea of a church yet. They'd never talked about church leadership and church structure and how a service and worship. They hadn't even broached the idea. This was simply people following Jesus, personally following Jesus. And the very first thing that he says that he wants to make them, and really the only thing he says he wants to make them, is not more spiritual and not more holy and not smarter. I just want to make you fishers of men. I want you to get this in your head. That your whole life's pursuit, even though you fish, your number one goal will be to connect other people to our heavenly Father. That's it. That's the big life mission, the big life journey. And I want you to know that as a church, we're, we're, you know, that's our mission. But we've got to dig it down to the deeper levels now to where that's your personal mission because a lot of you have like these great jobs where maybe you're maybe you're a DA, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're a construction guy, maybe you're a business owner, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're whatever. Hey, I know that you do those things, but as you're following Jesus, I want you to know this, is to follow Jesus is to fish, and to fish is to follow. So it's just, hey, as you're teaching and as you're business owning and as you're doing whatever you're doing, I just want you to know that you should always be fishing because to follow is to fish and to fish is to follow. As a matter of fact, we could even take a step back and say, really, if to follow is to fish, it could, we could even make the assumption that if I'm not fishing, I'm not actually truly yeah, so I'm kind of like missing something here because fishing was the number one thing. Like so in Matthew 28, when Jesus is all done, he died. He rose again. He gave some last instructions. You know what his last kind of farewell words were? 
Take this into all the world. This is what we call the Great Commission. He says, go therefore into all the world. Go therefore. And, and really, we, we kind of misunderstood this because we started thinking like missionaries. Like, because that's our fear is that God's going to make me a missionary. You ever feel like that as a Christian? You're like, oh no, God's going to send me to Africa. I don't want to go. It's too hot. I'll die. I don't want to eat the food. I don't even know what they eat. I don't want to eat it. And, and you're afraid. And you start thinking about go into all the world. Look, look the, the, the word go literally was the phrase, as they went, as they went, or as you go. Does that make sense? So like, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go into your neighborhood, as you go, wherever you go, this is what you're doing. Because to follow is to fish, and to fish is to follow. And that is our, not just church-wide mission, that ought to be our individual mission, that as we walk through life, and as we go through life, and as we do whatever we do, we should always be thinking, Jesus, how is it? That I can help other people connect to you. How do I do that on the personal level? And so today I want to walk you through what I think are the most practical ways that you can do that on a very, very personal level. Because here's what I know about you. Like, you have people all around you all the time who don't know God. We live in California. Right? There's people everywhere. See, like, we're not up in the Bible Belt right now. This ain't Dallas. You know, this is in South Carolina. We're not down in Alabama, you know, where everybody grew up going to church. No, this is California. There's people all around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family members. All of us are surrounded by people who don't know God. They're surrounded by people who need to know that Jesus loves them and wants to do something incredible in their life. And they're one step away from eternal salvation. And that step typically is me and you. Because most people, their story is not this. Most people, their story is not, you know what? I was in my bedroom, and a light came in from the window. And then, like, things began to shake. And then, all of a sudden, I heard a voice. And it was God saying, Todd, it's time. I'm here. You know, I, nobody, anybody ever had that experience before? Okay, so you know what they're waiting on then? They're waiting on you. Because I, I know we all did this. If you, if, you, if you ever had a stage of life where you, you weren't a believer, this is what you did. You had a point in your life where you weren't sure if God was real, and you had this prayer. You, you, if, if you were in the living room, this is what you did. You were looking at the coffee table, and you're like, God, if you're real, just make that book move. <laughs> just so I'll know. Just, just so I'll, did anybody ever do that before? Something like that. Like, just, just so I'll know. And I, won't even, I don't even have to tell anybody. I just, want, I just need to know. And you, look, the book ain't moving. The light's not coming. The voice is not. That's not the way God designed this thing. God designed this thing so that you would be coming. So that as you go, you would be fishing. Because to follow is to fish. And to fish is to follow. They're not. Listen, they're waiting on a voice. And they're waiting on the book to move. No, they're waiting on you. To show up in their life. And here's what I want you to do for them. Number one is this. Is the very first thing I want you to do. When you think about people who are away from God. This is so crucial. As we, we, we're literally just a few days away from Easter. There are so many people that are willing and able and ready. But, but they're waiting on an invitation. People typically aren't just going to wake up out of bed and be like, you know, I need God in my life. I'm going to church this morning. That's just not typically how people, it's not going to happen for them. You need to begin by praying for people. And so when you think about the people that you love and the people that you care about and the people that God has put into your little world and your little realm of influence, the very first thing I want you to do is to begin to pray for them. Because here's what I know, and if you will do this, it's not going to be instinctive for you, but I want you to do this. I want you to start praying for them by name every day. And you know what? I pray for so-and-so. God, I lift them up. And God, I just pray for their heart and their soul to be open to you. I pray that they'd be drawn to you. And God, I pray. And you just keep praying for them. And here's what you'll find. If you'll do that, that triggers everything else. Because when you start praying for somebody, here's what I know. You start caring more. Because all of a sudden you're like, man, I've been praying. And you start looking. 
And you start waiting. You're like, I think God's doing something because I've been praying. And you start having an an expectation of like God to do something. And I'm telling you, you start just caring more. And then you start looking for more. And then you start engaging more. And so that's what I want you to do. For some of you, it's just to pray for like God to bring somebody into your life. Like maybe your little bubble has gotten so closed. Because this is what happens to Christians too many times. Especially if you've been in Christianity for too many years and too too many years. You've been doing this too long. You stop. Um, (laughs) If you've been doing it for a really long time, what happens is is that when you get older, your social circles shrink. You ever notice that? They get smaller. They typically don't get bigger. Think about when you're in high school. Think about how big your social circles were. And they were always changing, right? Because of girl drama. But anyway... Whether you're a boy or a girl, it's just girl drama. And so, and so anyway, your, your circles of influence were always big and changing and evolving. And then you would, go, you would change classes or you would change grades. You would, and always just new people. And then in your early years, you may be changing and moving. And, do, and so your social circles are changing. When you get older, your social circles, they shrink. And if you've been a Christian for a long period of time, because of most of your relationships are inside of the church or with other Christian people, now all of a sudden you've limited yourself. You actually don't even have any unsaved people or people who are away from God in your life. Like that's what maybe some of you need to pray for. Like God, bring people into my life. I have to pray this. I don't know if you know this or not, but like I have a job where I'm just surrounded by Christians all the time. And so like I have to work to get out there. I have to really like, because you, you're surrounded by them all the time. And guess what? I love people who are away from God. They're, and I don't even tell them I'm a pastor because then it makes it weird. Because then they're like, they, oh, I'm sorry. Because they just dropped, you know, five F-bombs or whatever. And so like, oh, I'm so sorry. But yeah, it's all good. And so I have to like work to put myself out. You're already out there. You, you people are much, much better at this than I am. I'm just telling you that. Why? Because your, your, your realm of influence is so much broader. And there's so many other people around you. But you have to start praying for them. And when you start praying for them, what you're really praying for is this. You're praying for two things. Is that God would begin to soften their heart and open up their eyes and just begin to like maybe create that thing in their heart where they realize they need something. But the other thing you're praying for is this, is you're praying for God to open up a door of opportunity for you guys to have an incredible conversation that might segue somewhere else. So number one, pray for him. Number two is this, this is where you begin to look for it. Now you look for the divine opportunity. You look for that. You've been praying for it, but now you've got to look for it. You've got to actually wait because here's what I know about you too. There was a time in your life when you weren't a Christian and somebody tried to tell you about Jesus and you completely rejected them, right? Can I get a... Yeah, Yeah, of course you did. They were obnoxious too, probably. They were rude or they were like weird or like, no, I don't want to hear your garbage. And I'll tell you why. It's because you were in a state of mind and a state of being where you wanted nothing to do with it. You ever been there before? Because I know my personal story. People tried to tell me about Jesus and I was too inebriated to even care. I didn't want to hear anything that they had to say. I thought what they had to say was dumb and they were, and I just didn't care and I rejected it. But man, there was a point in my life where I had come to the realization that I did have something missing in my heart and something was wrong and I needed something different. And listen to me, when that divine opportunity meets with your conversation, miracles happen. That's what you want because you've been praying for them. Now you got to pray that that divine opportunity kind of presents itself to where they're in the right place at the right time for your conversation to actually have incredible meaning. And so now you've been praying for them. You've got to look for the divine opportunity and then you've got to step into that divine opportunity. Next, now here's what you got to do. When you step into the divine opportunity, everybody say, tell your story. All right, say it again. Everybody say, tell your story. Now here's, here's why this is so important. There's a gentleman I was talking to earlier this morning. And he had some people knock on his door and try to like, you know, they showed up with their 10 speed and their white shirt and their tie and they got a little clip thing saying, I don't know, whatever. And, 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 and like, and, and the problem is this, is that he really loves these people, but, but then he, you know, because here's what we all try to do. You know, we, we end up trying to tell people information sometimes. 
when the most powerful thing that you can tell them is not information. You can't tell them like facts. They don't care about that. You got to tell them your story, right? Because you can argue facts, right? You can argue information. You can argue and debate all these things. You know what you can't argue? You can't argue my story. You know why? Because you weren't there. You didn't experience it. You never, you, you didn't know what I knew. You didn't, you weren't where I was. You didn't know what I experienced in life and you don't know what God's done in my life. This is my story. So like you can argue facts and details and information. You can't argue my story. Why? It's just my story. And so one of the best things that you can ever do as a Christ follower is, is go back and remember what your story is. Like, what is my story? Some of you never asked yourself that question. What is my story? Where did I come from? What did God do for me? What did God do in me? I've come from this point to this point, but how did I get there? What is my story? And then dial that story in, in your mind even, so that if ever given the opportunity, you get to do what? Tell your story. Why? Because your story is powerful. Like, do you know that, like, think about Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God, could have, could have broken off any type of sermon theologically. He could have broken off the deepest of the deep. You know what he did? He told stories. He goes, hey, there's like a father, and he's got these two kids, and this is what happened. He goes, hey, so there's a guy traveling down a road, and he's beat up, and he's robbed, and he's left for dead. And, then, and he just keeps telling these stories, and the stories are what stick. Think about this. How many of you remember like the details of, of what you learned in middle school when it came to like, you know, how you did math? Like I'm a homeschool dad and I teach my son's math, which by the way has gotten really hard because it was easy when he was in elementary school. Now he's 12 and he's doing math where I'm like, man, are right, you gonna have to give me like 15 minutes. I have to study and figure this stuff out. And then I'll, and then you can come back in because I'm having to like teach him like what the area of the volume of the circumference of the diameter of the thing. And there's all these long equations. Now, and I'm like, and I'm seeing stuff in this book and I'm like, I have never done this before. I have never, this is garbage. Why would they make my 12 year old learn this? I never had to learn this and I probably did, but what happened? I might have not been paying attention, but you don't remember that stuff, but go back into your childhood and you can remember the moments and you can remember the stories. Why? Because information doesn't stick. Stories are sticky. Like your stories, why do you think it is that you go back and remember the greatest movies and the greatest books? Why? Because they're built on a, a story. Stories are sticky. They stick into your mind. So I don't want you to like find people and give them the, the you know, the, 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 the five main points to salvation or here's the Romans road. We're going to work through. I, I don't want you to give them that necessarily, at least not right away. You know what I want you to give them? I want you to give them your story because what happens is this is they're going to have a divine opportunity, a divine moment where they realize that something's missing and that they need something in their life and a conversation is going to take place. And all I want you to be able to do is say, Hey, you know what? I know for me, when I was at a point in my life where I realized certain things, I mean, I turned to God. And what, okay, then you start unleashing your story. Everybody's story is so different. Now, now, here's a temptation. Some of you had the temptation that your story's not cool enough. Okay, let me help you out. Okay, here. Your story is what it is. You make it yours. You, you make it your own. Because, like, I know what you're thinking. Like, because if you've ever been to a church and all of a sudden somebody gets up to, like, give this great testimony as this guest speaker. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I was a gangbanger. And I got shot 12 times. And then I came back to life. And Jesus spoke to me. And that's why I'm here today. And you're like, that's not my story. Okay, that's probably nobody's story. He might have made that up even. And so your story is just your story. Your story might be, man, I was raised in church my whole life, but I just realized at a point that, that, and something changed. You just begin to tell your story. Now, again, don't, listen, there's, again, there's some pitfalls to storytelling. Just let me, let me have it real quick here. If you're going to tell your story, don't make it too long. 
All right, nobody likes the long-winded storyteller. If you took up entire lunch break and you didn't eat your food, you talked too much. You ever had those before? Like you sat down to eat lunch and they're done eating and you took one bite, you talked too much. And so, so, so like make your story concise. Here's another thing, like don't, you don't have to have all the information. Like we don't need to know that it was March 3rd and it was, it was, it was cloudy with a little part, partly chance of rain. And there was, we don't need to need all those details. Like leave out all the, like the unnecessary details. Just dial in, focus on the majors and tell your story. Here's another one. Um, don't use Christianese. You know what Christianese is? It's like where everything sounds pseudo-spiritual. Like we don't need to know that you went into the third heaven of the fifth realm and then Jesus spoke to you about the dispensation of the millennial period into which you, you, you don't need to break off whether demons or disembodied spirits from a pre-Adamic race. Like get rid of the weird Christian stuff. Don't bring up the book of Revelation. Most of us don't understand that anyway. Okay, so like leave out anything that might, Don't tell your super weird story. Like if you have a really weird Christian story, don't tell that story. Just make it... Make it about what Jesus has done for you. But all of a sudden, there's a, you've been praying for him and a divine opportunity presents itself and you're going to drop your story right into this little moment and you're just going to tell them. Because isn't this what a witness really is? Like if you, if you ever get called into court, which I hope it's for a good reason, they're going to ask you to be a witness. What, what does a witness do? All you do is tell what you saw and what you heard. That's it. That's what a witness is. And so like, you know, remember, you, know when you hear the, the preacher like, can I get a witness? Ha! <laughs> Y'all didn't know I could do that. I, got, I can do that. But like, but when like, can I get a witness? Can, 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 we, we talk about witnessing, sharing your faith, being an evangelist. We use these hard words. It's simple. It's just you sharing what you saw. And what you heard, it's not complicated. Like, we, I don't want you to have to go out and like explain weird, deep, complicated stuff. Most of us don't understand that stuff anyway. Just share your story. That's, that's it. That's it. As a matter of fact, let's, let's, let's go on and keep it simple. Keep it simple. Y'all remember the old, the, the, the acronym KISS? Keep it simple, stupid? I just left that part out. I'm really nice. Keep it simple. As a matter of fact, I was having this conversation with a young man recently. And in this conversation, I asked him the question. I'm like, hey, if somebody asked you, what is salvation? What would you say? Like, how would you explain that? Like, if you had to teach somebody real quickly what, what salvation was, what would you tell them? And this guy's been in church his entire life. And you know, he was like, um, well, I mean, I mean I, I mean, I know what it is. I mean, I do. I really, I, I mean, I know what salvation is, but like, I, I never even thought, like, how, how do you explain salvation? Have you ever thought about that? If somebody asked you, hey, what's being saved? What's salvation? What does it mean to be a Christian? What would you tell them anyway? Now, I already told you, like, you know, when you get the moment, tell them your story. But at some point, they might ask a question. Okay, well, what does that mean? What do I do? What does it mean to be a Christian? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? I have a lot of confused looks coming back at me right now. So I'm going to assume you haven't, which is good because I guessed that you hadn't, and I'm going to explain it now. So this is perfect timing. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> have you ever thought, like, how do you do, how do you explain, what, what is salvation? I'm going to teach you. Now, please do not dismiss what I'm about to introduce to you because it's so simple, but it's beautiful. And it's brilliant. Go, go, to, go to John 3.16 for me real quick here. Watch this. Have you ever thought about John 3.16? John 3.16 is the most quoted verse in all the Bible. Most of us have it memorized. If not, we ought to. Like, this is it. Like, like, this is the most simple and the most basic verse. You ever wonder why it gets so much traction? It's because it's so concise and it's so powerful. But have you ever wondered what Christianity is? 
What does it mean to be a Christian? John 3.16 does like a fantastic job of spelling it out. Because most of us, if you had to get into like salvation, you'd be like, well, do I got to join a church? Do I got to like be good? Because that's what most people think. Most people think being a Christian means I got to go be good. Do you ever feel like that? All right. Because this is what you feel. Your life hit rock bottom. And then what you thought is, well, I got to really clean my life up. That's what Christianity is. It's me cleaning my life up. No, it's not. It's not it at all. Like you're a mess and it doesn't even matter. That's not even what Christianity is. And, 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 and listen to me, things will happen, but it's not about you cleaning yourself up. My first experience in trying to follow God was exactly that. I realized I was a wreck and a mess and I said, wow, I need to turn to God because I really need to clean my life up. And so I tried and it lasted nine months, which I thought was really good at the time. And it lasted nine months. And then I went back to my old lifestyle and it got way worse because I just it really went all in. And, 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 and then I really hit rock bottom. But then I figured out what Christianity really was. Christianity is not cleaning your life up. Christianity has very, very little to do with you. It actually has so much to do with God. So watch this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you guys say a few words. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what's going on in the scripture? Everybody say love. So what was God doing? He was loving people. Like, why are we even here? Because God loves. Why did God send his son? Because he loves. Why is anything, anything? Because God loves. So have you ever wondered what Christianity is about? It's about what God's doing. So God's not angry. I don't know if you knew that or not. God's not mad at you. God's not angry and upset and ready to like destroy your life. No, no, no. Because who would do, like, if you really, if you're really angry at somebody, do you give to them sacrificially? No, you're angry at them. You give them the cold shoulder. You resent them. Maybe you get back at them. Not God. God doesn't feel that way. God loves. You ever wonder what God's all about? God loves. And then this is what, this is what loving people do. Um, I love my wife. And so you know what I do? I give. So like whenever my wife asks me something, my response is always, yeah, what my baby wants, my baby gets. So husbands, listen to me. I just told you the secret to marriage. When your wife asks you something, you say, yeah, sure. What my baby wants, my baby gets. Why? Because I love her. And she doesn't ask for weird things. So if you deal with that, sorry. But <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't deal with that. My wife's totally sane and cool. And so anyway, but I, so I can just say, yeah, you can have whatever you want. Why? Because loving. So, so what does God do? God so loved. Everybody say love. He so loved the world that he did what? He, because what do loving people do? They get. You guys are so smart. You guys are on point today. The coffee's really good, whoever made the coffee. So if God loves and then God gives, the whole starting point of Christianity is not that God's angry and I need to clean my life up. It's that there was a God in heaven who loved and therefore he gave. That's it. And then listen to what we do in response to that. So that whoever what? So, so is it about you cleaning your life up? No. So as a matter of fact, this word believes in, it's really the idea of trust. That's really what it is. So like the idea of believe in means trust in. So but remember, belief is not just the intellectual acceptance of a, of a reality. It's about the trusting in something. So if I had like a chair up here, I mean, I could believe in the chair, but I could also not sit in it, right? At some point, I would need to trust in. Now, am I really doing anything though? No, no, I'm actually just trusting that it will do what it was designed to do or what it said it would do. Does that make sense? And so all of a sudden, like, what is it up to you to do? You got to clean up everything? You got to fix everything? You got to be perfect overnight? You got to do all these things? No. You just got to come and accept that God loves and therefore he gave. So I just need to trust in. And then watch this. 
Belief in, that whoever would believe in him, in who? Jesus. Shall not perish, but what? Everybody say have. So wait a minute. So God loves and God gives. And in response to that, I just want to believe and then I get to have. That's salvation. That's everything. That's it. Like, I mean, no, like, this is a big book. There's a whole lot of stuff in here. It gets complicated sometimes. And sometimes we make this thing so stinking complicated and we get to try to figure out what the third horn and the beast in Revelation chapter 7 is, which nobody knows anyway. And, and we're trying to figure out the deep complexities of the Bible. And, then, and we make it so hard. No, 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 no. It's just God loves, therefore God gave. And if I'll just trust in, I get to have. That's it. Isn't that awesome? Like, it's not about me. It's about what God did. And and go to verse number 17, because the next verse is really, really good too. For God did not send send his son into the world to condemn the world. Like, think about like that. Like, Jesus didn't come so that he could say, I told you so, and now you're all hosed. That wasn't the point. Why would Jesus come and die for us? just to wag his finger at us. My point is this, is that Jesus has already paid it all. I'm going to mess with some of y'all right now. Your sin is not the issue anymore. Jesus paid for that. He took that. That's gone. Like your sin's not the issue anymore. The issue is just whether or not you will trust in. Are you hearing me out there? Let's not make this thing complicated. This is an incredible deal. Like you've been invited into something special just because God loved and God gave. And if you would just trust in, then you would have. Because Jesus didn't come to condemn you. But what? But to save the world through him. Here, here's a newsflash. I don't know if you know this. The world's already condemned. Jesus didn't need to come for that. Look around the world. From the time human history has been recorded, the world has been jacked up, messed up, flawed broken we do weird things we do mean things we do evil things we are broken the world's already condemned jesus didn't need to come to do that he came that the world through him might be saved and it's so simple as god loved and so he gave so that if you would just trust it you would have and you would have this thing called eternal life which is really this because eternal life is this please are y'all with me still okay good i thought i was losing y'all for a second there I want you to say eternal life. Now, eternal life doesn't mean it the way that you think about it. Because what you start thinking about is this. is one day I'm going to die. Because you ever ask the question, and everybody asks this question, what happens when you, what happens when you die? Well, everybody knows the answer to that. You ever been to a funeral? They put a bunch of makeup on you and stick you in a box. That's what happens when you die. You already know that. But see, something deeper inside of you, something in your soul, is aware of the fact that that's not the end. If that were the end, I would never question. But something on the inside of me longs to know, but what really happens when I die? What happens to me? And it's because something on the inside of you is already aware that you are already an eternal being. Like you go somewhere when you die. Something inside of you instinctively tells you that. That's why when you look at the funeral, you say, what happens when you die? See, here's the thing. When Jesus promised eternal life, it wasn't saying you're going to live forever after this. Everybody lives forever somewhere. The point of Jesus and you trusting in him and having what he brought to give you was not so that you would live somewhere forever. You're already going to do that. It's so that starting right now, you would have the God kind of life. That's the point. Now and forever. That 
That was the big point. That was the big idea. And then when you come to Jesus, that you start to experience life again in every arena. And so again, let's go back because I, I, I think I've just totally bought you on to like salvation. Everybody wants to get saved right now. Um, and you should because God loved and God gave. And if you would just trust in, you would have. And it's the most beautiful exchange in all the world. It is incredible, but I want you to keep it that simple. So it's not about you cleaning up your life and it's not about you getting right. And do, no, 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 your sin's already been taken care of. If you would just receive the fact that God loved and God gave, and if I would just trust in, I would have the God kind of life. And as I follow him, listen to me, because here's, here's what happens in all of us. Um, when we set out to fix ourselves, we, we just end up making a mess. When we set out to just follow Jesus, to trust in and to have, you know what happens? Change just starts to happen automatically. Because people that really follow God, they're like, man, I don't even know. It was weird. I was just, I just, things started to change. I started to feel different. I started to think different. I just started having different desires, and things just started to change. I wasn't even trying to fix anything. Just things began to change. What is that? That's the God kind of life, working itself out within you because you decided to trust in, all because God loved and because God gave. It's that simple. And it's a beautiful thing. So here's what I want you to do when you think about people who are away from God. I want you to remember that I want you to pray for them. Pray that God begins to open up their heart, open up their eyes, see a need in their own life because you've got to hit them at the right time. And then you're going to look for the divine moment. And in the middle of that divine moment, a conversation, something will take place and you'll get the opportunity to share your story. And then you're going to be able to point them back to the simplicity of the gospel. Last thing is this and we're done. And in that moment, then I want you to bring someone to church. That's it. You had a conversation. You got to share the simplicity of the beauty of the gospel of grace. I mean, just, it's awesome. God loved and he gave. Therefore, if I just trust, I have. It's awesome. It's that simple. Hey, you know what? You should come to church with me. This Easter, there's something going on, man. Just come. You should come to church, man. There's a bunch of cool people. I promise you'll like it. It won't be weird. You just got to come. You just got to trust me. I want you to come to church with me. And I want you to be a bringer. Like, just be that kind of person. Why? Because to follow is to fish, and to fish is to follow. That's it. Always be about that idea that I'm always, whether I'm a teacher or a business owner or a lawyer or whatever, I'm just out in the world, whether I work in a factory or I work in an office, or I'm just, as I go, I'm fishing. That's not who I am. That's just what I do. Who I am is a follower of Jesus, and to follow is to fish, and to fish is to follow. So, what am I doing? I'm praying for people, I'm sharing my story. I'm inviting other people to church because it's not enough that this church has a very crystal clear mission. It's that our mission needs to become your mission. And your mission in life is not just to do a job. Your mission is to help other people connect to Jesus because at the end of all things, that will be the most important thing. Let's pray this morning. So Father, I pray that today, God, that something struck a bell in us, that we became aware that we are to fish, that we are to share our story, that we are to help other people know Jesus because it is the thing that gives us life. It is the most important thing that we all spend eternity somewhere. And God, we will be the difference makers in determining how people experience life and where they live for eternity. God, help us to be on mission, to be on point, to be praying for people. God, I pray that you'd bring new people into our lives, God, for the sake of helping them connect to you, Lord. Help us to be fishers. Because to follow is to fish. And to fish is to follow. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we have a little big hand clap this morning?
Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.